The Democrats bring forth Mark Meadows aide Cassidy Hutchinson to testify about what she heard Donald Trump did on January 6th. And we examine the possibility of criminal charges against Trump. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben will get to all the news in just one moment. First, you may have noticed that the economy is in the doldrums. In case you missed it, last month, Treasury Secretary and um, Proudfoot from the Shire, Janet Yellen, openly admitted to having completely missed the flashing red lights of impending inflation. She actually admitted this. She says, I was wrong about the past inflation it would take. I didn't fully understand. Yeah, we know, which is why I'm not really trusting that you guys are going to get it right this time. I'm not really trusting that Jerome Powell at the Federal Reserve is going to get it right this time. Well, if you can't trust the people who are in charge of the monetary supply, you might want to at least diversify a little bit into something that is an offset against that. That would be gold or silver. You should invest at least some of your money in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. Protect your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying your 401k or IRA into physical gold. It's not too late for you to take action right now. Text Ben to 989898. Get a free information kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. Birch Gold Group has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. Text Ben to 989898. Get real advice from Birch Gold today. Again, text Ben to 989898. Claim your free no-obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold. Well, yesterday was supposed to be a big bombshell day for the Democrats. They have their January 6th committee hearing. And before we get into the actual content of the hearing, I want to discuss what exactly they are supposed to be doing here. So there are only a couple of reasons to have a congressional hearing in the first place. One is to engage in some form of oversight. You delegate certain powers to the executive branch. You see whether the executive branch did what it was supposed to do under those delegated powers. And then you hold people accountable from the legislative branch when they don't do that thing. Okay, that's not really what's happening here because it's not as though this is an oversight sort of function of the Congress. It's more like a criminal investigation, what we are seeing right here. The other thing that they could do is they could be doing some sort of committee hearing that is really tailored and geared toward generating solutions to, say, security problems. So then you'd have more testimony from, say, the police officers in the Capitol Security or from Secret Service about exactly how they should have handled January 6th. They're not doing either of those things. The question becomes, what exactly is it, is it that, that they are doing? And the answer is really one of two things. One is that they are setting a predicate for a prosecution by the Department of Justice. And the other is that they are attempting to essentially impeach Donald Trump in the court of public opinion. If we are talking about the former, then the question for the January 6th committee is whether they're actually providing the evidence necessary to sustain a successful prosecution and also why exactly this is being done by, say, the January 6th committee as opposed to the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland, which has more criminal investigative power than a congressional committee does because the threat of not complying with a DOJ subpoena, for example, is actually you go to jail. The threat of not complying with a congressional subpoena is you go to Congress jail, which doesn't really exist. They can't really do all that much if you don't comply with the congressional subpoena, which is why Eric Holder did it when he was attorney general. He was actually subpoenaed by Congress. He said, I'm not doing it, and nothing ever happened to him. So if it's a criminal investigation, then the question is why they are doing it. And the only answer is to pressure the DOJ into actually prosecuting Trump. We'll get to whether they are sustaining the case for a criminal prosecution against Trump in just a second. The other reason, theoretically, is to impeach Donald Trump in the court of public opinion. And here, I think that the generalized effort is relatively unsuccessful. The reason I say that is because who doesn't have an opinion on January 6th at this point? Like really, who is not set in their opinion about January 6th or about Donald Trump personally or about the Democrats or about the next election cycle? The number of people who are undecided in 2022 or 2024 or 2026 or 28 based on Donald Trump is going to be really low. Everybody already knows what they think of Donald Trump. 
which means that the only damage the committee could theoretically do to Trump in terms of public opinion when it comes to January 6th, because frankly, we kind of knew the generalized tenor of everything that happened on January 6th, the day of, maybe a couple days following. Because of that, the only thing they theoretically could do is drag Trump into the mud where Trump just spends the next year, two years wallowing in election 2020 and January 6th, which damages Trump. I've said this before. I don't think that the real issue here is that the January 6th committee is damaging Trump politically for, say, 2024. I think the real issue here for Trump is that Trump is damaging Trump politically for 2024 because most of us are worried about, say, the fact that Roe versus Wade was just overturned. Now, what do we do on the pro-life front? Most of us are worried about inflation, riding at 8%, 40-year high. What do we do about that? What do we do about the fact that the current president of the United States, not the last guy, the current president of the United States, is a doddering old fool who can't seem to hold in his own bowels? What do we do about that fact? What do we do about the fact that Joe Biden is a, is a complete disaster on foreign policy, that we're engaged in a war in Ukraine that doesn't seem to have any sort of real exit plan and that is driving up the prices of fundamental foodstuffs and energy? Right? Those are the things that most Americans are actually concerned about, not what happened a year and a half ago back during January of 2021. And if Donald Trump is directing his energies toward defending himself on that, and if he is obsessed about what happened in November of 2020, then he is, by the very nature of that, directing himself away from the thing that most of his base cares about. There's a world where Donald Trump could have, because of the January 6th committee, just said, listen, these people, they don't, they, they don't like me. They're out to get me. They're trying to dredge up stuff that you already knew. But meanwhile, the fruits of my presidency continue in the overruling of Roe versus Wade because the movement that we built together has been so successful in changing the very tenor of the debate in the United States. He, he could be pointing out you know, the successes of his administration in contrast to the Biden administration, basically just ignoring what's going on at the January 6th committee. But he's not doing that. Okay, so politically speaking, the real damage the January 6th committee is doing to Trump is not being done by them. It's being done by Trump being distracted by them. That's on the political front. We'll get to the actual testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson in just one second. First, no matter what you are wearing, confidence begins on the inside, which is why it's important for men to think about their testosterone health early. Testosterone is believed to affect everything from our libido to our blood health. Thankfully, Roman's testosterone support supplements were designed by real doctors to help make sure your body is maintaining its greatness. Feel confident from the inside out with Roman. Testosterone is an important part of a man's body and health. Men's testosterone starts to wane with age. It's important that you support it as early as you need to. Roman Tea Support is a proprietary supplement formulated by Roman's in-house doctors. You can't find their blend anywhere else. It's important to note, Roman Tea Support is not testosterone replacement therapy. It is not meant to treat people with testosterone deficiency syndrome. Go to getroman.com slash Ben today. If you are approved, you'll get 15 bucks off your first order of Roman Tea Support. That's getroman.com slash Ben, getroman.com slash Ben. Again, if your biology needs a boost because it's not working the way you want it to, head on over to getroman.com slash Ben today. And if you are approved, you get 15 bucks off your very first order of Roman Tea Support. That's getroman.com slash Ben. Now we get to the actual criminal case. So the line coming out of most of the folks covering yesterday's January 6th hearing is that we are much, much closer to Donald Trump now being actually prosecuted in a court of law for his activities during January 6th. To understand what exactly that means, like why exactly that may or may not be the case, we actually have to listen to the testimony of this bombshell witness. So the hearings were supposed to discontinue this week, and then they were going to take a break for a couple of weeks, and then they were going to come back for part two of the season drop of Stranger Things in a couple of weeks. Instead, they brought forward this bombshell surprise witness, Cassidy Hutchinson. She was a former White House aide to Mark Meadows, and she apparently had a lot of access because she was hanging around Mark Meadows a lot. And they brought her forth specifically because they were 
they were kind of leaking out to the press that they were afraid for her safety. They were afraid that it was going to leak, that she was their big witness, and there was going to be pressure brought to bear upon her. Okay, whatever. They bring her forth yesterday, and she gives this testimony, and the media are just over the moon about this testimony. They think that this is just, this is the most stellar thing they've ever heard. It's, it's groundbreaking. It's shocking. Right? I just want to start with the media reactions to her before we even get to her so that you understand the effect that Cassidy Hutchinson had on the media. Now, to be fair, they've been praising the January 6th committee and their brilliant performance literally since before the committee started. But the sort of over the moon, people will, this is going to be like Watergate. Everything's like Watergate. This is going to be worse than Watergate. That reaction from the press should set you up for what exactly she said. So Michael Bischloss, for example, is supposed to be a presidential historian who really is not wonderful at his job. He's on MSNBC, he says, our grandchildren will know the name Cassidy Hutchinson, which I find extraordinarily Hard to believe, considering that I had to look up her name seven different times this morning just to make sure that I said it properly, <laughs> because, frankly, I don't care all that much about the January 6th committee hearings because they are mostly reinforcing stuff that I think everybody already knew. In any case, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, generations from now, a thousand years from now, people will know the name Cassidy Hutchinson, according to Michael Bischloss. Never before in American history have we ever seen testimony, credible testimony, this shocking against the president of the United States before Congress. This is an historic day. Our descendants are going to ask us what we know about Cassidy Hutchinson. That's a name that they will know. They're going to ask it, uh, us what this was like to watch this and to listen to this because this is a day that is going to loom very large in American history. It's going to be, it, wow, American... Hillary Clinton came forth to say, history will recall this day. It's going to be a historic, historic... First of all, the number of times I've heard members of the media say that a day has been historic over the course of the last, I don't know, 10 years, they, they say it hundreds of times. The number of actually historic days that I can remember over the course of the last 10 years, outside of, like, my family life, fairly limited. Anyway, here's Hillary Clinton doing this routine. Hearings have been uh, incredibly powerful. I understand a lot of people pay no attention but history pays attention. I hope the Justice Department is paying attention. I hope in these midterm elections, uh, candidates and the Democratic Party uh, pay attention because you cannot let those who attacked our Capitol and those who urged them on to do so act with impunity. That's what happens in dictatorships and authoritarian okay, so, regimes. Uh, again. The people who actually went into the Capitol are all in jail right now. And there have been hundreds of prosecutions of those people. And she's assuming the case that she's attempting to, you know, prove here, which is that Donald Trump is the person who encouraged people to go into the Capitol. Not that he encouraged them to go there and protest. Not that he encouraged them to come to the rally. Not that he fed them a steady stream of falsehoods about the election itself. No, not, none of that. That he actually urged them to go into the Capitol, which would be a criminal charge, right? Incitement to riot is actually a criminal charge in American law. That has yet to be proved. Okay. Carl Bernstein, who is hanging around for the last 50 years based on the fact that he was involved in Watergate and has not done a single bit of actual serious reporting since, he's still on CNN comparing everything to Watergate. It's, it's, it's a great country when you do like one thing several decades ago and you just have to live off the legacy of that forever. It's pretty amazing, actually. The whole idea is now absolutely confirmed, proven. He is a criminal and a seditious president mm. of the United States. How the legal system, the Department of Justice, deals with that. And we're now talking about future obstruction evidence, as Liz Cheney indicated. 
obstruction by the President of the United States, presumably, she's talking about. There is now both a legal, moral, and political case in which Donald Trump is now in a total box, including with his supporters who have gone along with his criminality, have gone along with his sedition up to now. Okay, so again, listening to Carl Bernstein wax poetic on this is enough to make anybody's stomach turn just a little bit, considering that he's been saying that everything is as bad or worse than Watergate since Watergate happened. Like the next day, somebody spilled the milk on the counter. He's like, oh my God, this is worse than Watergate. He's been doing this routine for a while. Listening to the media fulminate about the evils of Trump, I mean, it makes me want to just, frankly, kind of go to sleep. But here's the thing. I can't sleep right now because I'm not on my Helix sleep mattress. My Helix sleep mattress is what allows me to have a great night's sleep. Helix sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody is unique. Helix knows that. They have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattresses great for spinal alignment, prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. I took that Helix quiz. I was matched up with a firm and yet breathable model because I tend to sleep on my stomach. It hurts my back if the mattress is too soft. Helix knows what I need, and they get it to me. If you are looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, order the mattress you're matched to. The mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to helixsleep.com ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They've got a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix has financing options, flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. For a limited time, Helix is offering up to 350 bucks off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. This is their best offer yet. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Okay, so that's the media setup. What you're about to hear is the most bombshell testimony that ever bombshelled. I mean, we are talking about like, we are talking about howitzer-level bombshells that are falling on people here. Okay, so Cassidy Hutchinson sits down, and she does say some things that are somewhat revelatory. And some of these actually have some ramifications in terms of the possibility of criminal charges. Some of them are just confirmations of what we already knew. So let's go through this, and then we'll discuss what she said that actually has been substantiated and what has been rebutted already. And then we'll get to the sort of criminal aspect, the criminal charging aspect of this. Because again, if you're talking about the public opinion aspect of this, I don't think public opinion is radically changing based on the January 6th hearings, no matter how many times the media shout that this is groundbreaking and bombshell and all the rest. So the real question is, is Merrick Garland's DOJ going to pick up the baton and then try to prosecute Trump? Is there evidence that she presented that is going to provide the predicate for prosecuting Trump? Okay, so she starts and she says that um, she was listening to Mark Meadows, and Mark Meadows had said that things might get really, really bad on January 6th. After Mr. Giuliani had left the campus that evening, I went back up to our office, and I found Mr. Meadows in his office on the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. I remember leaning against the doorway and saying, I had an interesting conversation with Rudy, Mark. Sounds like we're going to go to the Capitol. He didn't look up from his phone and said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. Okay, things might get real, real bad on January 6th. I mean, there is a lot of, of consternation about January 6th. There's a lot of thought that there might be some sort of violence. Nobody thought it was going to end in the breaking into the Capitol, but that, that in and of itself, like things might get bad tomorrow, is not the same thing as, and I'm planning for them to get bad with the President of the United States, and I'm urging people to go into the Capitol to kill the Vice President. Seems like there's a bit of a... A jump from point A to point B here. Okay, so she continues in her testimony, and she says that uh, Kevin McCarthy, for example, told Trump not to come to the Capitol. So apparently, Trump was actively considering coming to the Capitol, which we'll get to in just one second. Kevin McCarthy was telling them, don't come to the Capitol. 
When Mr. McCarthy called me with this information, I answered the call and he sounded rushed, but also frustrated and angry at me. And I was confused because I didn't know what the president had just said. Um, he then explained, the president just said he's marching to the Capitol. You told me this whole week, you aren't coming up here. Why would you lie to me? I said, I'm, I'm not lying. I, I wasn't lying to you, sir. I... We're not going to the Capitol. And he said, well, he just said it on stage, Cassidy. Figure it out. Don't come up here. Yeah, again, not sure why that is revelatory, but okay. All of this providing some color commentary to what we already knew. She also says that after January 6th, Mark Meadows expressed interest in a pardon. Now, this is an argument that, that people keep using over and over against people who have been involved in this case, ranging from John Eastman to Mark Meadows to members of Congress. Preemptively seeking a pardon because you believe that the people who are coming into office are going to vindictively prosecute you is not, in fact, admission of a crime. It's not. Okay, if, if, if a Democrat, when, when Demo, I, I, I remember saying to friends when Joe Biden was about to come into office, well, you know, I'm really glad that I overpay my taxes because if I didn't, I would assume that the IRS is going to audit me now that Joe Biden is in office. Right? That, that Saying I wish for a preemptive pardon because I'm a high profile figure in the prior administration and there are vindictive people coming into office is not, in fact, an admission that you committed a crime. It's saying I wish to have a protection against people who might attempt to prosecute me for a crime I didn't commit. Right? That is at least one plausible explanation. Here is, here is Cassidy Hutchinson suggesting the opposite. Did Rudy Giuliani ever suggest that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? He did. Ms. Hutchison, did White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows ever indicate that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? Ms. Meadows did seek that pardon. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so this is the, this is, kind of the baseline testimony that, that she gives, right, is that people are acting badly, that there's a lot of worry about January 6th, that Meadows was seeking a pardon afterward. She did testify that Mark Meadows was on the phone with people like Roger Stone and, and with you know, other people who were supposed, supposedly organizing with the Proud Boys. We haven't seen those dots connected yet. And it's worth remembering here that Roger Stone, who has had his house raided by the DOJ before, right? Roger Stone, in fact, has not been prosecuted for his act activities in and surrounding January 6th. Then we get to the really colorful parts, right? These are the ones that the media are just focused in like a laser beam. This is the stuff that's really the groundbreaking, electrifying testimony here from Cassidy Hutchinson, again, an aide to Mark Meadows, who testified yesterday and was supposedly changed the entire game. A catch-up story. So she says that, that Trump was very unhappy with somebody and he flung a plate with ketchup against the wall. Here's the explanation. I left the office and went down to the dining room and I noticed that the door was propped open and the valet was inside the dining room changing the tablecloth off of the dining room table. He motioned for me to come in and then pointed towards the front of the room near the fireplace mantle and the TV where I first noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall and there's a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. The valet had articulated that the president was extremely angry at the Attorney General's AP interview and had thrown his lunch against the wall. So apparently he was very mad at Attorney General Bill Barr for doing an AP interview in which he saw no, said he saw no evidence of significant voter fraud. And now, you know how we know that Trump was mad about that? Because Bill Barr has said that in his memoir. In fact, Donald Trump asked for his resignation based on that AP interview. So I'm not aware that throwing a plate with ketchup against the wall 
is, um, is really all that indicative of something we didn't know other than that Trump has himself a massive temper, which, again, is not particularly shocking. I think the only thing that we really found out from that particular revelation, which the media ran with because it's very colorful, right? The testimony of the president taking a plate with ketchup and throwing it against the wall is very evocative. The only thing I learned from that really is that Donald Trump must have been eating a steak that day because why else would he have ketchup on his plate? He's a man who loves ketchup with his steak, which to me is the most, the most damning detail about the man, perhaps, is that he loves ketchup on his steak. In any case, this was a piece that the media picked up on. And then there were two other pieces. So she says that during the riots, she heard... Again, this is a, a lot of this is secondhand. This is part of the problem here is that she will say that I heard from X who, her, who was there what happened. So she says that Trump didn't stop the rioters because he thought that Mike Pence deserved it. She didn't hear Trump actually say that. She heard somebody say that Trump was saying that. So here we go. I remember Pat saying something to the effect of, Mark, we need to do something more. They're literally calling for the vice president to be effing hung. And Mark had responded something to the effect of, you heard him, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. To which Pat said something, this is effing crazy. Okay, so we'd already heard this in media reports as well, right? Is that Trump was watching this on TV and he really didn't care because he was mad. We'll discuss whether that involves a criminal charge or not, but the short answer is, no, I mean, you, you sitting there and not doing anything to prevent a criminal activity is not quite the same thing as you actively conspiring to engage in a criminal activity as part of a conspiracy, for example, which is what this committee is attempting to prove. Okay, then we actually get, here's the biggest one. Okay, so we've done a few of these, we've done catch up against the wall. We've done that, that, he, that Mark Meadows suggested that Trump didn't care if Mike Pence was hanged, which again, we, we have that on record like a couple of weeks ago. We have, we have her saying that Mark Meadows wanted a pardon. Okay, but here is the biggest story of all. The biggest story of all. And this is like wild stuff, if it were true. What she says is that Donald Trump got into the car after the January 6th rally and everybody was headed down to the Capitol. And you remember during the rally, he had said, I'm going to lead you down to the Capitol building. He said, I want to march with you down to the Capitol building. So he gets in the car and she says that she heard from somebody that the way that this went down is that Donald Trump then demanded to be driven to the Capitol so he could lead this rally down to the Capitol and that he then got rather angry in the car when his Secret Service told him they didn't have the capacity to do that. Here is her testimony. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. So according to Hutchinson, Donald Trump gets in the car and he says, I want to go to the Capitol. And Secret Service says, sir, we can't take you to the Capitol because it's not safe and it's not secure over there. And he then gets so angry that he lunges at the Secret Service agent and wraps his hands around his throat and starts to strangle the Secret Service agent. That's pretty shocking stuff. The one other claim that she made that was also bombshell-like was she said that there was one point where Trump was informed. And this she said she personally heard, where Trump was informed that there were weapons in the crowd and there were magnetizers, right? There, people were, were walking through magnetic scanners to, to do metal detector checks. 
And Trump said, I want to get rid of those because he wanted a bigger crowd walking toward the Capitol. And they said, well, there are weapons in the crowd, sir. He said, well, they're not here for me. Right? They're, not, they're, not, they're not going to hurt me. Okay, now, there are a couple of ways of reading that. One way of reading that is that Trump is saying they're not going to hurt me, but they are going to hurt them. And I love that. That's great. The other way is, well, I don't care. They're not going to hurt me. They're not going to hurt. I mean, they're my, they're my fans. They're not going to hurt me. And I'm going to go walk among them. I'm not worried about their weapons for me. Both readings are somewhat plausible. I find the second a little more plausible considering he was speaking directly to his own Secret Service agents who are directed to protect him. So the problem with testimony like this, that, that it was all about, that Trump said that there were weapons in the crowd and what do I care? You know, they, they're not going to hurt me. It depends on whether you say, well, they're not going to hurt me or they're not going to hurt me. <laughs> it sort of depends on where you put the emph emphasis in the sentence, right? If you put the, the emphasis in the wrong place in the sentence, well, then it's a completely different read. Well, I'll tell you one thing that is not dependent on emphasis. It turns out that the car that you bought like 10 years ago, it's worth now more than maybe when you bought it because of all the supply chain bottlenecks. So you got to keep that car on the road. You can't afford a new car right now. Head on over to rockauto.com. They sell only the auto parts and related tools you need. They've been doing it for over 20 years. Their unique intuitive catalog includes photos, specs, and installation tips that make it easy to choose the correct parts for your specific vehicle. They not only have the auto parts you need, they'll give you a selection of trusted name brands to choose from. You can pick brakes that match just how you use your vehicle, whether that's for towing, racing, or just commuting to work. You can get suspension, exhaust, air conditioning, and other kits that provide all the parts you need for a successful repair. RockAuto.com has lots of parts you might expect would only be available at car dealerships if they're available at all. RockAuto.com prices are always reliably low. That means they don't change prices based on what the market will bear like many airlines and marketplace sites do. Their prices make it affordable for customers to keep their daily drivers and classics safely on the road. Go to rockauto.com for your auto parts. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. You got to keep that car running and on the road. You can't afford to have that thing fall apart. This is why you need rockauto.com. Head on over there. Make sure you write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Okay, so now we get to the fact that some of this testimony has now been rebutted by people on the record. And this is a big problem. Like within hours, there were people who were coming out and rebutting details of this. So NBC News. Repaired, reported yesterday, like almost immediately after Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, that a Secret Service agent was now prepared to testify that the story about Trump in the limo threatening people and trying to strangle Secret Service, that that just wasn't true. Here's NBC News reporting this. A source close to the Secret Service is telling you that, that the lead agent disputes some of Hutchinson's testimony? Yeah, so let's walk right through that now, Tom, if we can. That source close to the Secret Service uh, tells me that both the lead agent, Bobby Engel, and the driver of that presidential limousine, the SUV, are prepared to testify under oath that neither man was assaulted and that Mr. Trump never lunged for the steering wheel. Again, we haven't heard from either of these individuals under oath publicly. They did both testify in the past. It's unclear whether they were asked a specific question as related to this incident. We are reaching out to the committee for more details on that. Now, one of the things that's weird here is that there have been Secret Service agents who have actually been called in, I assume, to testify to the January 6th committee. And the January 6th committee takes all of these testimonies and they, they tape them. And they actually have been playing clips of the testimony in the open hearing. Well, why don't we have any corroborative evidence from the Secret Service agents played on tape here? They've been doing that the entire time. ABC News, by the way, reported the same thing as NBC News, which is that Secret Service is denying this story. Two sources familiar with the investigation confirmed that President Trump had requested to go to the Capitol on January 6th and that the Secret Service refused due to security concerns. One of those sources telling me that the president did return to the vehicle after his speech on the morning of January 6th and asked Agent Robert Engel if he could go to the Capitol. Engel said something to the effect of that being unwise or dangerous and that the motorcade was going to take the president back to the White House. 
A source close to the Secret Service just told me to expect that the Secret Service will push back against any allegation of an assault against an agent or President Trump reaching for the steering wheel. Yeah, by the way, I know members of the Secret Service who were there while Donald Trump was president of the United States, and they said that he was actually quite genteel and kind to them, which is not a particular shock. He's actually very nice to the people who are in his direct orbit. In any case, that was one piece of the testimony that was rebutted. Another piece of the testimony now rebutted, according to ABC News. Former Trump White House lawyer Eric Hirschman is claiming a handwritten note regarding a potential statement for then-President Donald Trump to release during the January 6th attack on the Capitol was written by him during a meeting at the White House that afternoon, not by Cassidy Hutchinson. At Tuesday's January 6th committee hearing, Liz Cheney displayed a handwritten note, which Hutchinson testified she wrote after Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows handed her a note card and pen to take his dictation. Sources familiar with the matter said Hirschman had previously told the committee that he had penned the note. The handwritten note Cassidy Hutchinson testified was written by her was, in fact, written by Eric Hirschman on January 6th, 2021. All sources with direct knowledge in law enforcement have and will confirm it was written by Mr. Hirschman, the spokesperson said. She said during her testimony that's a note I wrote at the direction of the chief of staff January 6th, likely around 3, of, uh, three o'clock. And, uh, and Liz Cheney asked, it's written on the chief of staff note card, but that's your handwriting, Ms. Hutchinson? She said, that's my handwriting. So... You know, they have a conflict in the testimony there. Now, does that refute every bit of the testimony? No. Maybe she forgot. Maybe she got it wrong with regard to the note. And as far as her testimony about what happened in the Secret Service vehicle, she was saying that secondhand anyway. I mean, it was pretty clearly hearsay evidence. I mean, she's speaking about something she heard from somebody who supposedly was there. But federal rules of evidence don't really apply. In this case, it's not a criminal trial. So when when she says that sort of stuff, It matters whether that was true or whether that was not true. Again, the main allegation, the one that they're going to have to hang their hat on here, is not going to be catch up against the wall or Donald Trump saying that he wanted to go down and lead. the. Like he said in his speech, again, on television, that he wanted to go and walk down with them. So him saying to Secret Service, I want to go with them. And then Secret Service being like, no, you can't, sir. It's not safe. The idea that the committee wants you to draw from this is that Donald Trump wanted to lead a riot against the Capitol. Again, there would have to be another dot connected. If you're talking about criminal liability, you'd have to show that it wasn't just that Donald Trump wanted to go lead a rally on the steps of the Capitol and yell at the people inside. That wouldn't be enough. You'd have to show that he actively wanted to incite a riot that broke into the Capitol to do physical violence to members of Congress in order to obstruct the proceedings of the Congress that day. So... Again, maybe the committee's going to come out with more stuff. And we keep hearing, that, oh, they definitely will. They'll 100% come out with more stuff. But they haven't come out with the more stuff yet that actually is going to connect dots A and B to dots Z, Y and Z, which is what you need in order to get an actual criminal prosecution here. So the media, of course, are going berserk over these allegations. They say that there are a bunch of revelations. Here are the revelations according to the Los Angeles Times. Eight bombshells, eight. Okay, so several Trump aides knew the risk of violence before January 6th. Okay, it, and... I mean, like, again, people were tweeting pretty openly about the possible risk of violence during January 6th. Trump knew the January 6th rally attendees had weapons. According to Hutchinson, he said, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the mags away. And the mags being the the metal detectors. So, again, there are two ways to read that. One is there are people here. They have weapons. I don't give a crap. I want them there because I want them to go into Congress and they're not going to hurt me, but they are going to hurt my pens and that's good, right? That would be actual criminal charges time, okay? If what Trump is saying is to Secret Service, I want a big crowd over there, right? I'm going to walk over there. I'm going to speak to them. I want a big crowd. So I don't care if there's a metal detector. If there's not a metal detector, they're not here to hurt me. And that's a, that's a very different sort of read. And it sounds like parsing, but it really isn't because again, you have somebody testifying as to what somebody else said and in this particular case, it sounds like the, the emphasis in the sentence actually matters to the meaning of the sentence, which happens actually a fair bit. 
According to the LA Times, the White House counsel raised concerns about Trump's speech. Eric Hirschman said it would be foolish for the former president to include certain lines in his speech. Those sections included language about fighting for Trump going to the Capitol and references to then-Vice President Mike Pence. Hirschman and White House counsel's office urged speechwriters not to include those lines for legal concerns and also for the optics of what it could portray the president wanting to do that day. Okay, so I guess that the allegation there would be that Trump knew that he would be inciting a riot and his lawyers knew he'd been inciting, but he didn't care whether he was inciting a riot. And so he went ahead and did it. Or alternatively, Trump likes indelicate language. You can't hem him in. And he doesn't really care what it is that people take away. He also said, you know, they, they always say you're hanging your hat on this, but it really isn't hanging a hat. I mean, he did say peacefully protest. That is a thing that he said. Trump apparently wanted to go to the Capitol on January 6th. Again, that is not a particular shock because Mark Meadows wrote in his 2021 book that Trump was, he said Trump was speaking metaphorically when he said he wanted to go to the Capitol with his supporters. Hutchinson testified that the president was serious. I never thought that that was a metaphorical remark. He literally said in his speech, we will go and we will march to the Capitol. On the evening of January 2nd, after Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani met with Meadows, he told Hutchinson, quote, we're going to the Capitol. It's going to be great. The president's going to be there. He's going to be powerful. Talk to the chief about it. He knows about it. Okay. And then Trump, lung- you have this, the story about Trump lunging for the limousine steering wheel, which again has been somewhat debunked, it seems, because the Secret Service agents are already denying that. And then there's the allegation that Trump didn't want to take action to stop the riot on January 6th, which again, that would not be a shock considering that he went completely silent for a couple, silent for a couple of hours while people were actually invading the Capitol building. So those are the big bombshell revelations. So d- does that mean criminal liability? Because again, in the court of public opinion, I think everybody has sort of made up their mind here as to whether Trump is responsible, to what level Trump is responsible, whether this was a rally that got out of hand, what he was responsible for, either turning up the temperature or actual incitement to riot. Okay, so that's the real, you know, that, the, the real question is criminal liability, because obviously what the committee is now attempting to do is force the DOJ to file criminal charges. So to produce the case that this is aiming toward an actual criminal prosecution, there are a couple of people who are on the center right to right who have made the case that this testimony is somehow going to shift the narrative. Andy McCarthy over at National Review is one of them. David French over at The Dispatch is another one. So I want to read the case that David makes because I don't think it's particularly convincing, but I want to go through it so that we know what the arguments are. So here is what David French says. Is before, I've been open to the possibility that Donald Trump's speech and conduct on or before January 6th criminally incited the mob. I was open but unconvinced. That was yesterday's analysis. Today's is different because of a courageous woman named Cassidy Hutchinson, a former aide to Mark Meadows. The most legally significant testimony came in a few key sentences. I don't effing care that they have weapons, Trump said of the crowd. They're not here to hurt me. Hutchinson claims she overheard Trump say about the crowd, you know, I don't care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. As Jake Tapper notes, the mags refer to magnometers deployed to keep armed individuals away from the president. Trump has denied Hutchinson's testimonies in a series of essentially tweets on Truth Social. It's important to corroborate, he says, but, says French, Hutchinson's sworn testimony closes a gap in the criminal case against Trump. Trump is closer to a credible prosecution than ever before. To understand why, we have to go back to 1969 and a seminal Supreme Court case called Brandenburg v. Ohio. In Brandenburg, the Supreme Court reviewed a criminal conviction against a Ku Klux Klan leader for advocating the duty, necessity, or propriety of crime, sabotage, violence, or unlawful methods of terrorism. Ohio prosecuted him after appearing in film in full Klan regalia with other members of the Klan. He gave a speech. One of the speeches mentioned the possibility of revengeance. 
If the president continued to suppress the white Caucasian race, the Supreme Court overturned Brandenburg's conviction, holding that even speech that threatened violence or disorder was protected by the First Amendment unless such advocacy is directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such, a such action. So you would need intentionality, likelihood, and imminence. Says David French, the imminence element is easiest to satisfy because the mob was right there and it marched to the Capitol. How about intentionality and likelihood? Was the riot something Trump did not anticipate and did not intend? So any criminal indictment would have at its heart a simple story that Trump summoned the mob, that he knew the mob was armed and dangerous, and that he not only exhorted the mob to fight like hell, he reportedly attempted to lead the mob himself. Now, again, if Trump, let's say, let's say a hypothetical, Trump had actually led the mob there, and then as he had stood there, he had turned around and said, go in. Not only is that going to be incitement to riot, that would probably be seditious conspiracy at that point. Okay, but let's say that Trump had gone there and he had led a rally, and then a bunch of people without him saying anything, had started to go in. And he had held up his hands. He said, don't do it. Okay, then it's not incitement to riot. Even if he said nothing, it wouldn't necessarily be incitement to riot, right? The standards for incitement to riot are actually pretty significant, especially when you're talking about the consequences of free speech. And so the, the allegations that are sort of made here, again, I'm, I'm failing to see how they amount to the, the level of criminality necessary to sustain a conviction. And so what this is really going to do in practical legal effect is going to put an enormous amount of pressure on Merrick Garland DOJ to do something. And I think Merrick Garland doesn't have the grounds to do it. I think Merrick Garland is hesitant, not because he is, you know, a good-hearted man who just doesn't want to prosecute the former president of the United States because it would tear the country apart. I don't think it's any of that. I think he looks at this and he says, I can't sustain a conviction on this fact pattern. There are too many reasonable doubt questions here. And most people are going to have those reasonable doubt questions. The media are, of course, over their skis on this. The New York Times has an entire piece called Cassidy Hutchinson's Testimony Highlights Legal Risks for Trump. And they quote Alex Alan Rosenstein, a former Justice Department official teaching at University of Minnesota Law School, I've gone from Trump is less likely to be charged to he is more than likely to be charged. Bill Barr, who is Trump's former attorney general, says the department is clearly looking into all this and this hearing definitely gave investigators a lot to chew on. But again, the, the, the sort of argument here, they, they, they quote a bunch of people who are, who are very anti-Trump to suggest that he's on the verge of prosecution. Daniel Goldman, who was part of the impeachment proceeding. He says, until this point, we had not seen proof he knew about the violence. The testimony made very clear he was not only entirely aware of the threat, but wanted armed people to march to the Capitol. He was even willing to lead them. Well, to, to lead them to do what? Right, to, to clamor outside the Capitol? Like, if he was informed, I, I keep coming back to this point because I think it's pretty important. If he was informed, there are a bunch of people out there in the crowd. And, you know, some of them have handguns because they have permitted or not permitted. They have handguns. And Trump says to his Secret Service, right, but I want a crowd out there. And I don't care because they're not here to hurt me. That's a different thing than I want them out there because I'm about to lead an armed insurrection into the Capitol building where they're going to murder the vice president. Like, I keep, I keep coming up because they need to actually say the second. They're pretending that the first is equivalent to the second, but the first is not equivalent to the second. Well, the media love to quote their lawyers, and some of the lawyers that quote aren't particularly good. But the truth is, sometimes you actually do need a piece of law to help you. And this is where epic will comes in. See, here's the thing. Everybody needs a will. The best you can do to prepare for the eventuality of death is to have some document that prevents all of your assets from going to the government that really doesn't like you very much. Aside from protecting your assets, your home, your savings, your car, a will gives you the power to say who's going to raise your kids in case, God forbid, something happens to you and your spouse. Without a will, the state decides. I don't know about you. When I was in California, I wouldn't want them to do that. A will also protects the living 
Advanced directives ensure that your medical decisions are honored when you're unable to see them through. It allows you to appoint a trusted friend or family member your power of attorney. And it really is not hard with Epic Will. Epic Will can set you up with a will in as little as five minutes, starting at just 119 bucks plus. You're going to get a 10% discount on Epic Will's complete will package when you use Code Shapiro. Listen, as a responsible human being, it's just something you need to do. If you have people who are dependent upon you, if you have any assets and you want to make sure that those assets are passed on to the person you want them to be passed on to, if you have an advanced directive, you need to encode all of that in a will. It is really, really important. It's hard to think about it, but you actually need to do it. Go to epicwill.com, use promo code Shapiro for a 10% discount on their complete will package. Many families at The Daily Wire are now protected thanks to Epic Will. You need to do the same. Go to epicwill.com, enter promo code Shapiro, do something for yourself and your family today. All right, tonight, the Western world's greatest political and cultural figures gather together on one stage. I'm not talking about the idiots over at the NATO summit in Spain. I'm talking about Backstage Live at the Ryman in Nashville, USA, co-headlined by me. We couldn't wait till the 4th, so we are lighting the fireworks early. You can catch the show in all its glory on our live stream, 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. Head on over to dailywire.com slash Ryman to give you a taste of what you're in for. Here's a look at last year's event. Welcome to the Daily Wire backstage live at the famous Ryman Auditorium. It was amazing. We were in the presence of greatness. The energy of having everyone on the same page was amazing. If your family member is still waiting for Fauci to give them permission, to leave their house, it might be time to cut that off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually pretty excited to meet all of them. I love everybody's opinion individually. I don't have a favorite, I like them all. I had found out a way to make football players cry in high school. My high school experience would be a lot. <laughs> I'm just excited to be here and be surrounded by like-minded people and to just, you know, feel that energy. Who should we remove from office? Yeah, you One politician, one. the most powerful politician in the country. <laughs> Dr. Fauci! Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're doing culture here. I'm so thrilled to see this happening. If they say to half of the country, you can't, that half of the country needs to say, screw you, we will. It's our biggest event of the year. Join me, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin, and co-CEO God King, Jeremy Boring, as we dig into the political and cultural issues of the day. Thanks to all of you, we're going to be celebrating some huge wins this year, ranging from the release of What is a Woman to Terror on the Prairie. And if you're not already a member, we hope today will be the day you join the fight and help us win even harder. Because, man, we have some surprises for you. I can't wait to show you. Go to dailywire.com slash Ben. Get 25% off your new membership today. As exciting as last year has been, we are just getting started. Tune in tonight. To backstage at Live at the Ryman, find out what's coming next. It's so awesome. The fun starts 8 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it at dailywire.com slash Ryman. We'll see you there. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So let's go through the actual federal statutes that are at issue here, because we keep hearing that Trump's going to get criminally indicted and all of this. There's one big problem, which is that you actually, if you want a criminal indictment, you want to actually prosecute somebody. You have to have evidence that they fulfilled the various conditions of the statute if you actually wish to put somebody behind bars. And so far, we keep hearing things thrown about that are not actually crimes, like they can be bad, they can be ugly, you can think Trump's behavior was terrible on January 6th and leading up to January All of that can be true, and it still can be not a crime. Now, the biggest problem that any prosecution, this is what Merrick Garland is facing down, the biggest problem for any prosecution of Trump is that virtually all the crimes they're talking about are crimes that require intent as an element of the crime. They're not negligence crimes. It's not Trump sat there and he didn't really know what was going to happen. He was careless and reckless about it. And therefore, it happened. Right? Because that, again, recklessness is a lower standard. Criminal negligence is a lower standard. If you want to prove intent, and that's what this committee said they were doing. Right? They said from the outset, there was a seven-step plan, like a concerted plan of intent to, to get us from November 4th to January 6th. And that that plan was put in place step-by-step step methodically. They have not 
prove that there was a plan, right? It, it seems more like Donald Trump thrashing against a glass box is, is more what it seems like, frankly. But that was always true. Now, a few years ago, I said that I wasn't sure we were talking about Trump and Ukraine and the impeachment effort. And I said, there too, this is a crime of intent. I'm not sure that Donald Trump has intent to eat a ham sandwich. Like, I just, he's not a person who has a plan. And a lot of folks on the left were like, well, you're excusing him for everything. It's like, since when is a person not having the capacity to make long-term plans some sort of defense of the person qua person? It's a defense against a criminal liability charge. It doesn't mean it's a defense of the person qua person. Okay, but the point is that this is always going to be a difficulty with Trump because Trump is so, he's so instinctive in the way that he responds to things that it's very difficult ever to say that he had intent to do this particular thing that required a concerted plan. That's just not the way he operates. And I think everybody who watches him knows this, which is why, I mean, it goes to a deeper kind of critique of Trump. The left would always say, well, look at what Trump's treating. It's so terrible, man. It's so terrible, isn't it? It just shows. And, and you guys, you just want us to brush it off. You're not taking it seriously. And I'd be like, of course I'm not taking his tweet seriously. Why would I take his tweet seriously? He says a lot of stuff that's not serious. And why, why, would I, why would I look at Donald Trump with the same level of seriousness in his tweets that, for example, I, I look at Barack Obama or Joe Biden's tweets that are written by Ron Klain, like in a concerted policy room somewhere. Donald Trump's probably sitting on the toilet tweeting. Why would I take that with the, with the same level of intent-ridden seriousness as Barack Obama, a professional politician who spends every waking moment trying to massage his language into the most credible possible way, as opposed to Donald Trump, who's like, I don't like you and you're ugly. Like, wh why would I take that with the same level of seriousness? It, it doesn't make any sense. And so when it, this becomes relevant again, when you're talking about the level of crime that is now being alleged by members of the media and by the Democrats with regard to Trump. So they, they keep throwing around the term seditious conspiracy. Well, they're going to get them on seditious conspiracy, conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. government. Let me read you the statute, okay? This is 18 U.S. Code, Section 2384, seditious conspiracy. Quote, if two or more persons in any state, territory, or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall each be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. Right, so conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States. Does that sound like what is happening here? Do you have the evidence that Donald Trump had put together MAGA army to go invade the Capitol building and murder people? Because it seems like no. It, like they, this, by the way, they, this is the claim that they made. And they're, they're sort of implying it. Like Liz Cheney and crew over the chair, they, they keep implying that they have a piece of evidence that is going to link Donald Trump, that he's on the phone with the head of the Proud Boys saying, okay, guys, tomorrow you're going to go through the South entrance and then you're going to rush up to Nancy Pelosi's office wearing a, wearing a helmeted, a helmet with horns on it. And then you're going to put your feet up on her desk and take a selfie. And then you're going to murder her. Like, uh, that seems like what the January 6th committee is alleging that Trump did here. But they don't actually show any of that. They just show, again, Donald Trump thrashing against the box. He throws a rally. He doesn't know what the rally's about. It's got a legal theory. He doesn't care about the legal theory. All he thinks is that he was, is that he was somehow cheated out of something because Donald Trump, whenever he loses, feels like he has cheated out of something. Every single time, going back to Iowa in 2016, when he was running against a bunch of other Republicans, and Ted Cruz won Iowa, and he immediately suggested that Ted Cruz had cheated. In the, like, this is Donald Trump in a nutshell. This is what he does. So which sounds more likely? He's on the phone with... Roger Stone and, and Rudy Giuliani, and he's saying to the Oath Keepers, okay, okay, boys, what I need you to do is break a bunch of windows, go in there and get thrown out inside of two, that, that's the, th so seditious conspiracy, 
I don't think he fulfills the elements of this. I think you'd be hard-pressed to prove that he does. Okay, so the other one that they've been trying is obstruction of justice. And the obstruction of justice charge has less to do with January 6th than it has to do with some of the other stuff, right? He's being investigated, presumably, for obstruction of justice in, say, Georgia, where he was calling up members of the, of the state election offices and telling them, like the Secretary of State, and telling them to find votes and all of that kind of stuff. The obstruction of justice statute says this. 18 U.S.C., U.S. Code, Section 1503, defines obstruction of justice as an act that corruptly or by threats of force or by any threatening letter or communication influences, obstructs, or impedes or endeavors to influence, obstruct, or impede the due administration of justice. According to the, uh, according to the overview, someone obstructs justice when that person has a specific intent to obstruct or interfere with a judicial proceeding. Specific intent. Okay, not general, specific intent. Now, this is the problem. In order to prove, even in the cases where he's calling up secretaries of state and saying, I want you to switch votes, in order to prove that that amounts to an obstruction of justice crime, you have to prove that Donald Trump knew that he lost the election and wanted them to falsify votes out of thin air. As opposed to what happens to be true of Trump, which is he will believe anything or anyone who tells him what he wants to hear. So if he has two sources in the room, one is Bill Barr saying there is no election fraud, this is nonsense. And one is Rudy Giuliani saying to him, so much election fraud. We don't have it. We can't show the evidence, but we know that there's a lot. Who do you think Trump's going to believe? He's going to believe the one he wants to believe. Which means that if he sincerely believes, again, this is the defense that he will make in court if this ever got to court. If he sincerely believes that there was election fraud and then he legit won the election, that's no longer an obstruction of justice issue. That is now him just being wrong. Because it's a specific intent crime. A specific intent crime. Now, the kind of last throw here for, for a criminal prosecution would be an attempt to show witness tampering, right? Obstruction of justice that way. So Liz Cheney sort of hinted at that. And now we're going to go on two-week hiatus. We've got to have the, the mid-season break before we get to part two of Stranger Things. And uh, Representative Liz Cheney, at the very end of the committee hearing, she, she threw out one other possible crime. According to Newsweek, she showed witness responses on Tuesday indicating that former President Trump's team allegedly pressured individuals who were testifying for the January 6th committee. Lawmakers investigating the January 6th, 2021 attack on the Capitol held a last-minute hearing on Tuesday to hear witness testimony from Cassidy Hutchinson. At the end of the hearing, Cheney, a Wyoming congresswoman who is one of two Republicans to sit on the panel, showed evidence alleging that members of Trump's circle pressured members of his administration who have agreed to testify before the committee. While our committee has seen many witnesses, including many Republicans, testify fully and forthrightly, this has not been true of every witness, Cheney said. We've received evidence of one particular practice that raises significant concern. She explained the panel regularly asks witnesses who worked with Trump whether any of their former colleagues have reached out to them to try to influence or impact their testimony because witness tampering is illegal. The congresswoman then showed two witness responses indicating that members of Trump's team may be doing so. She didn't identify the witnesses, and she didn't identify who in Trump's team is doing this, so we, we sort of need to know that. Right? What they said to me is, as long as I continue to be a team player, they know that I'm on the team, I'm doing the right thing, I'm protecting who I need to protect, you know, I'll continue to stay in the good graces of Trump world, one witness responded. And they've reminded me a couple of times that Trump does read transcripts and just keep that in mind as I proceed through my depositions and interviews with the committee. Another witness provided a similar account saying, quote, a person let me know you have your deposition tomorrow. He wants me to let you know he's thinking about you, he knows you're loyal, and you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition. Okay, this does look like it borders on witness tampering, but... If you are going to actually suggest criminal witness tampering, you have to show, one, Trump actually said it. Two, the person who said this to the witness worked for Trump. Three, that the witness themselves actually has evidence that the person said this to them. Okay, then you could theoretically go after Trump on something like that, maybe. But again, even witness tampering statutes have specific intent attached to them. So if Donald Trump said to an aide, for example, man, I just want to make sure that guy tells the truth. 
Like, he needs to tell the truth about me. And what Donald Trump thinks is the truth is not necessarily the truth. But Trump's like, you know, if he doesn't tell the truth, I'm going to be so mad at him. And then the person conveyed to the witness, Donald Trump will be mad at you unless you, unless you say what he wants to hear. Is that witness tampering? In order to demonstrate witness tampering, you would have to show that Trump wants people to lie or change their testimony to something false in order to please him. So, again, it's going to be hard to prove this sort of stuff in court. And what this really does, politically speaking, is, oddly enough, this turns around and clocks the Biden administration. That's the part that's going to be real weird here. Because after all of this is said and done, there's a very good shot that Merrick Garland is not going to prosecute. And if Merrick Garland, the, the late lamented non-Supreme Court Justice Merrick Garland, Attorney General of the United States, if he does not prosecute on the basis of this fact pattern, if he can come up with nothing, you know he's going to be super angry. Everybody on the left. Everybody on the left is going to be really angry, not at Trump, at Merrick Garland, at Team Biden, for saying, like, listen, you had, you had an entire committee. They brought forward these bombshell witnesses. We were told that Trump was on the verge of being thrown out. And this is what you come up with? We're mad at you. So oddly enough, what the committee has now created is a bit of a box for Merrick Garland, not really for Donald Trump, because they don't actually have the power to criminally prosecute. So in the end, what is this going to do? What does this mean? Legally. Legally, we'll find out. Legally, if the DOJ thinks that they have the goods, they're going to have to show the goods. So far, what they have doesn't seem like it would be enough to sustain a prosecution. Okay, two, what does it mean politically? Again, I think that politically it means status quo ante. I don't think this bombshell witness testimony changes much. The people who are predisposed to think that Trump did bad things also now think he did more bad things. People who are predisposed to think that Trump, in all of his MAGA glory, is, is doing all the right things and it's really not his fault and everything's fine and he's actually just a hero in this whole story. I don't think anything changes that. All it really is going to do is continue to distract Trump. And I keep coming back to that because, again, the fate of Donald Trump, politically speaking, always rests in Donald Trump's hands. He is not subject to exogenous forces. He is not losing or winning based on the fact that people are attacking him or being mean to him. Donald Trump is, of all the political figures I've ever covered in my lifetime, he is the politician who is most capable of escaping boxes that people believe they have him in. But that is up to him. It's up to him. And so politically speaking, as we move forward away from this, the question is going to be, and I think it was a question long before January 6th committee even got its stuff going. I, I think that the, the baseline problem for Trump coming up for, for sort of future election viability, because everybody's got their eye here on 2024. The future issue for Trump is, is Trump going to be focused laser-like on revenge and anger and grievance mongering and, the fe and festivists, and we're all going to air our grievances about 2020 and about the January 6th committee and all the people I don't like? Or, or is Donald Trump going to stop being distracted and actually focus in as a political figure on, again, forget about him as a person subject to criminal prosecution. That's either going to happen or not, not happen. Is he, as a political figure, capable of focusing on the things that I think most people care about inside the Republican Party? So far, he has not demonstrated that he is. And so that's going to be the real obstacle to him here. So for people who love Trump and who want Trump to come back in 2024, understand that the chief obstacle here is not going to be the January 6th committee or the DOJ. The chief obstacle is going to be getting Donald Trump to refocus away from his personal grievances and fair or unfair and focus on the things that people actually care about. Frankly, that was the chief obstacle to a successful presidency for him during his first term. And it was his chief obstacle to reelection in 2020 as well. Okay, we'll be back here later today with additional content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show. That's available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. 
The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Savannah Dominguez-Morris. Editor, Adam Saievitz. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup artist and wardrobe, Fabiola Cristina. Production coordinator, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Joe Biden's transvestite assistant secretary for health encourages parents to trans their little kids. Libs lose it over my criticism of modern art. Can you believe it? Little old me. And Ghislaine Maxwell gets sentenced to 20 years in prison. Though I sort of doubt she's going to serve the whole term. You know what I'm talking about? Hillary, you know what I'm talking about? Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.